Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one-hundreds in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Nuggen's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Knott in the black hats, and Knott is Mullins. I cannot believe he's done that. Knott in front, Knott on the hall, Knott goes in. Joining me today on the show is one of the newest members of the Australian Dolphins team. He secured his spot at the Aussie Trials in Melbourne, winning the 200 freestyle from lane eight in Fukuoka. He continued to deliver not only individually, but coming home with three medals with his relay teams, including the big gold on night one in the men's four by 100 metre freestyle. It's a massive welcome for the first time to Off The Block Swing podcast to Mr. Kai Taylor. Kai, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, always happy to, well, you know, I, I, I realised, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something here. I've realised I slipped up by not having you on before the world champs. And I, <laughs> I pride myself in always um, having swimmers on as they're developing and coming through to try and get, you know, the word out there to the Australian swimming public that, you know, keep an eye on these guys. They're coming through. Um, but as I said, I'm going to put my hand up and say, mate, I knew you were coming through. Don't get me wrong, but I've just, you know, I slipped up on having you on beforehand. But I'm happy <laughs> we got you on now. I'm happy no, we no, got no, you that, on that, now. That's totally all right. I'm just happy to be <laughs> here now and have a bit of a chat. Yeah, no, let's let's get stuck into it. Now, you've got, um, obviously, you come back from uh, World Champs. Did you get a chance to have a bit of a break? Did you get up to much during your break? Yeah, actually, well, so pretty much as soon as World Championships finished, we um flew back to Australia the next day. But I actually stayed in Japan for two weeks because I've, I've got some family that live over there and obviously I don't get to see them very much. And, you know, I haven't really seen that much of Japan, to be honest. Like I've been to Tokyo a few times, but really I haven't. That was a really long time ago. So I really haven't got to see much of it. So, yeah, I just decided to stay there for two weeks and go exploring a little bit with them. They were working a little bit. So, you know, they weren't always around all the time. But then, you know, I would just go off and do my own thing. But it was really good, you know, just being able to get away, you know. And I think the the good thing about it was the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, you're just always in Australia and Brisbane especially, you know, like, it was just good for me to be able to get away and see things and experience things, experience things that I haven't been able to do before. Yeah. What's it like over there? Because I know I'm getting pressure from my you know, five-year-old daughter to go to Japan because she wants to go to Disneyland and yeah. there's a few other Lego land, a few things she wants to go to. And apparently she's saving her, her little 20 and 15 cents. <laughs> um, so apparently we're, I'm getting pressure to go. So what's it like over there and what can I look forward to? Is the food, like the food, is the food good? Are the people nice? 
oh, the people are amazing, you know, like just so friendly, you know, always interested, you know, especially when they see foreigners, you know, like even if you're just making little conversation with them, they're always just so interested to know, you know, anything about you, which was which is awesome. And, you know, the food is obviously quite different to here in Australia, um, but they do, they've got, you know, heaps of stuff there, um, re- really good food as well. Um, and it's fun, funny that you mentioned Disneyland because I actually went there um, on my trip and, yeah, if you're going to take your daughter there, I really would recommend it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you recommend me saving some money too? So I've got enough money to spend. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go on every single ride there. So I would definitely be saving your money. Yeah. Thanks mate. I'm going to start. I'm going to start right now. Um, what about, what about, uh, do you sleep on the floor? Like obviously for my, in my head, you know, you're going to sleep on the floor and sit on the floor. What's it like over there with, with that? Does that take time to get used to? Yeah, well, unfortunately, where we were actually staying in our training camps and in Fukuoka and actually when I was staying over there for my break, uh, the the layout of the rooms were actually perfect. There wasn't, you know, those traditional Japanese homes that you're probably thinking of. Yeah. Um, we were actually fortunate enough to have pretty, you know, Western-style rooms with really quite big beds and comfy beds, so we didn't actually have to go through any of that, which was <laughs> probably a good thing. You know, I think there probably would have been some um, restless nights um, if we had to sleep on the floor. So, yeah, we just got to, you know, experience what it was like just normally. Yeah, well, I remember, I think it was um, in for the Olympics, they had cardboard beds over the Olympic Games, didn't oh, they? So um, at least you, you, you got well looked after there, mate. Yeah, now. well, I mean, the place we stayed in at Fukuoka, they did have a, a pillow that I think had uh, was filled with rice, I think. Oh. Um, but luckily I, I brought my own pillow because I don't think I would have got much sleep sleeping on that. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound appealing, sleeping on rice, that's for no. sure. <laughs> now, you've been back uh, for a little bit. Have you had a chance to catch much of the women's world cup um you know it's it's been crazy here in australia obviously with the with the ratings and attendance yeah. and everyone's getting around the girls have you had much chance to to watch and support the matildas oh yeah absolutely like i think it was their um their big match where they ended up going to the penalties and they won um i was over in japan at the time and i remember i was on a train and i was watching it on my phone and i was just like I couldn't believe it. I was going, I was going crazy on the train. And I remember all these Japanese people looking at me very weirdly, going, you know, what's this guy? What's what wrong with him? Yeah. What's this guy doing? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I watched their um, most recent match since I've been back. But you know, they've just, you know, they've been doing amazing, and just, you know, obviously, like all all around Australia, just, you know, it's so amazing to see everyone getting around them. You know, like I'm not very, you know, I'm not big into football. You know, like I watch it occasionally, but you know, the fact that these girls were able to come step up and do that and just seeing all of Australia get behind them is pretty special. Yeah, it's been it's been great to see, mate. Mm. Now, if you weren't a swimmer, begs the question, what other sports would you do? Have you done growing up? As I said, I've, have, I've never had you on the podcast before. So did you play any sports growing up or has it always oh. sort of been swimming? Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely between like, um, you know, the ages of 11 and 15. That's when I really, you know, played a lot of my other sports, especially for school, like, uh, the school that I was at offered just a whole wide range of sports. You know, I played basketball, cricket, cross country, um, as well as swimming. But, you know, just I think for me at those ages, being able to experience and have fun doing those other sports was really, really beneficial for me. 
Yeah, I was going to say that. How important do you think that is? We see a lot of juniors coming up that have some talent mm. in the pool and, you know, you hear whether it's coaches or parents or people yeah. from the outside sort of saying, oh, no, no, you know, you should stop the other stuff. How important mm. do you think it is for you in your development that you were able to continue sort of playing those other sports at least till, you know, 15, 16, yeah. as you said? Yeah, well, I mean, for me personally, like everyone's different, you know, like, I mean, different things work for different people. But certainly for me, I feel like, you know, the reason I'm so passionate and so motivated and driven, you know, right now is because during those early years, like between that 11 to 15 range, you know, I was just able to be the kid that I wanted to be. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to show up to every week and do, you know, nine or 10 sessions of swimming a week. You, you did it? Like, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was only, <laughs> I was only doing maybe three or four sessions a week. Um, and I always knew I loved swimming, you know, out of all the sports that I did, I loved swimming, but you know, it was one of those things I just, as much as swimming, you know, you've, there's a team culture in swimming. It's very individual based. And I think for me, between those years of 11 and 15, having those experiences playing in team sports and being a part of those, you know, other sports, it was really beneficial for me. Like, you know, I would just text my coach and say, you know, hey, Michael, you know, I'm not going to be able to come training this Saturday morning. I got a basketball game, you know, something like that. And he'd be like, you know, no problem, mate. You know, go, ha go have fun. Enjoy yourself. Let me know how you go. And I think for me, and again, like it's different for everyone, you know, yeah. it works for some people, it doesn't work for some people, but especially for me, like I said, I think the reason that I feel like I'm, I'm so passionate and so motivated right now is because in those early years, I was just being the kid I wanted to be. I was doing heaps of sports, you know, playing with my friends, having a good time. And then when it really came down to, you know, deciding whether I wanted to continue with swimming which I did, obviously, it was then that I had to decide, okay, well, if I'm going to go with swimming, I've got to give it everything and I've got to, you know, I've got those memories now with those other sports, but I can't, you know, obviously, if you want to take swimming full-time, you've got to, um, you know, give it everything, you know, those nine to ten sessions a week. Yeah, no, and obviously tongue-in-cheek, Meg, I don't think anyone 12 or 13 is keen to do nine yeah. or ten sessions. No, but no. no, you're absolutely right, and I, I think um, in, in many ways it's good advice there for even some of the parents listening, mm. you know, in terms of allowing your, you know, teenagers to enjoy, you know, the sport but also yeah. not push it too much and yeah. allows them, as you found, time to find the enjoyment and love of it yourself in terms of, all right, you know, I really want to take this seriously now. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's great advice. Now, obviously, I've got you on today to have a chat about uh, Fukuoka, your world championships experience, but um, you didn't get there by chance, mate. You got there by <laughs> obviously smashing it at trials. So I want to yeah. start by asking you how you felt going in mm. to, you know, um, trials because uh, now we see you won from lane eight and it's, it's yep. incredible at 146. <laughs> Two five and and it, yep. and it's a phenomenal race. Is that something that you saw coming? Obviously, as I said, for the watchers out there, it was a surprise. Like, oh, Kai Taylor in lane eight was yeah. it a surprise to you, or did you have a, a bit of a target going in that no, I think I can hit this and I'm going to give it a bit of a shake? Yeah, definitely. Like I've had a you know I had a clear goal at the beginning of the year of like sp specifically times that I wanted to hit, and you know times for me are a little bit you know they're great goals to have, but it can't be the only thing you're always thinking about because I feel like if it's the only thing you're always thinking about, you're really going to, you know, miss a great opportunity. And that's, I think that's what happened to me a little bit at trials. Um, you know, I, I was going into trials with absolutely no pressure, you know, like I 
no one expected me to do anything. You know, my coaches, my parents, you know, no one expected me. If I had have completely bombed out, you know, my parents still would have, you know, been super proud of me. Dean would have been super proud of me. So there was no, there was no expectation. But I think coming off Australian championships in April, I sort of made, um, I dropped quite a lot off my times and I made quite a big shift. And then I think, you know, there was a little bit more a spotlight sort of came on to me and especially, you know, having my mom as well. And I don't think I had really prepared myself for that enough. Like I, I had always sort of thought like if I was going to, you know, take my swimming to that next level, that potentially that, that, you know, I could have that sort of, you know, spotlight come on to me for a little bit, but I, I don't think I had really prepared myself enough for that. And it was weird, you know, trials was, it was just a weird meet. Like I, I was super confident in my training, but there was just something different about it. I just think I, I was too much in my head and I was too much, I was thinking too much about what I had done previously in April and thinking too much about how, okay, all I need to do is just replicate that, replicate that. Whereas I should have just been going into it with an open mind, not really caring too much. And I think that's why I really suffered in the heats. Um, Cause you know, I what after the heat swim, I wasn't even really sure if maybe that time that I had done was, you know, had I got my taper wrong, you know, was, you know, what, what was, what was wrong really. And then just for the listeners, mate, what time did you go in the heats? Uh, it was a one forty eight two, So it was about one and a half or just over one and a half seconds slower than what I had done uh, a couple of months prior, yeah. which is, um, and over 200 meters free, that's quite a lot. And, um, you know, it, you know, had I done a really good time in the heats and I came ninth, you might, you know, you'd be, it'd be like one of those things you'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm in good form and I did a, I did a good swim, but you know, obviously it just wasn't fast enough, but yeah. you know, to go 148.2, which is what I had done at trials the year before, um, it was, it was quite hard for me to deal with, especially because, you know, it was, it was a weird feeling. I, I almost got out and I wasn't even, I wasn't even upset. I was at first, I was more just really confused because I thought I just, I, I almost hadn't processed the fact that, you know, like my main event, I just completely missed the opportunity to get into the final and try and make that world championship team. Cause you know, that was my only goal going into it. You know, it wasn't even to do PBs. It was literally just, I just want to see if I can get that top six and get that relay spot. And that, you yeah. know, that was, my, that was my only goal. And, you know, you train so hard and, you know, everyone listening and everyone watching, you, you know, they all know how many hours and how much time and effort you put into this sport. So, you know, yeah. to com- and to miss it by one spot, it was just like, it was a big shock to me. Not be- And not because, you know, I, I had in my mind, you know, that I thought I'm definitely going to make it, but just because I thought, you know, I almost thought that, you know, because of all my training and everything that I'd been doing, you know, like I just, I, I, I don't know. I was just completely shocked and just not really sure what to think. Um, but yeah, like you said, Kyle pulled out and, you know, I think I just went away and I was still, it was still hard for me to deal with actually. Cause you know, you sort of go away and like I said, it wasn't like I did a, um, a fantastic time in the morning. You know, it was, it was still playing on my mind a little bit. The fact that, you know, the time that I did wasn't, wasn't great. Um, but I think having that lane eight spot, it really took that pressure off me that I felt going into the meet. And it really just sort of calmed me down a lot. And it just sort of, I just had this feeling inside me and I just thought, you know, like whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, if, 
if it's my day and if this is my meat, then, you know, I know it all will come together. And if it's not, then, you know, I've given it my best. Well, I've got two questions off the back of that. Firstly, what's that chat look like with Dean before you go into that final? Is it, mm. is it a matter of, all right, well, let's, let's move forward now. You know, we've yeah. got to clear our head and, and we've got a job to do. What does what that uh, yeah, before well, race chat look like? Yeah, well, I mean, especially – especially after the heats, Dean had quite a, um, extensive chat with me. You could say, um, there was a lot of stern talking to, um, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't angry at me at all. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't disappointed in me at all, but it was one of those things. It was like, so this was, he was, he had a chat to me once I had found out that I'd gotten into the final and he sort of, the chat he was having to me was, you know, okay, you've been given a second chance. You need to completely just, refocus and get back in the zone he said you know he was sort of saying i know how difficult it must be for you to process this all and it's you know been a roller coaster morning but you cannot go away today and just think that it's completely over because you've been given a second chance and it's now like are you going to take this second chance are you going to just you know throw it away and just go you know whatever i didn't do a great time in the morning i'm just gonna you know this doesn't matter or are you gonna you know, show who you really are and come in tonight and really, you know, go out there and see what you can do. Yeah, well, absolutely. You did that, mate. And as I said, 146.25, you win from lane eight. You secure your first world champs team for the Australians. Hmm. What, what was that moment like? And I, I can imagine it's sort of a, a crazy time for your brain because you've yeah. come off the back of what's happened in the morning. You're coming off the back of that chat with Dean and you're kind of like, all right, I've got to get my head straight here and then all of a sudden it's a complete 180 from the morning um what's that moment feel like for you when you hit the wall we'll get to you know mum's reaction in a minute um but (laughs) what was the moment like for you yeah well it was weird because obviously like um it was obviously a pretty close race right towards the end so when I touched there was probably about a couple of seconds and especially because the board was in a little bit of a weird uh position it was sort of almost up diagonally so you kind of had to look over the block so I really I really wasn't sure what had happened in that last 10 metres because I sort of put my head down, so I wasn't really sure. Um, but it was just uh, – it was almost just like this big, big relief inside me. And, you know, I did, I honestly didn't even care that I'd, I'd come first. Like, I didn't – and I didn't even care about the time either. Like, I, di- I don't even think I really processed the time until maybe, you know, a couple of hours later. It was really just the fact that I – had achieved my goal which is top six that's all yeah. i wanted to do i just wanted to get a spot on that relay over to fukuoka and um yeah like i said i think it was just a massive massive relief and i think you know i think the camera sort of captures that a little bit you know i'm sort of just sitting there like and i'm almost you know there's not really a lot of you know joy on my face it's almost just like oh you know thank god <laughs> you know like thank god i just got that spot because really that's all i that was my only goal going into it yeah well as you said, you know, it's a lot to process in that yeah. time frame and, and no doubt emotionally and physically by that point, you kind of drained, like you sort yeah. of tapped out. You're like, I don't have much more to give you. Um, obviously, for anyone listening, your mum is Aussie swimming legend Hayley Lewis and for anyone who isn't aware, um, she's going off in the stand. She's loving it, as she should be, as she yeah. should be and as as all parents should be when they're proud of their their kids in the pool. What was that like? sharing that moment with mum yeah i mean it was certainly something special i think it you know it adds to the fact that you know in the same race obviously she she was at world championships this was trials but you know winning a 200 free from lane eight i think that sort of makes it a little bit even more special but 
I don't really think, you know, mum and dad were even thinking about that at the time. You know, I just, you know, and, you know, all the mums and dads listening, you know, they they would know. They see they see what their kids go through in a year. They see all their ups and downs. They see the highest of the highs, lowest of the lows, you know, tears, complaining, all these emotions. And, you know. Complaining? Swimmers <laughs> don't complain, do they? No, no. I've never not. heard them. No. no. Um, <laughs> but, you know, mum and dad have, you know, been there for me so much, you know, throughout the year, you know, just – you know, you know, there was times, especially in training camps when I was, you know, really struggling and like not having them there. And obviously, you know, like they see all these things and for them, you know, they go through this journey with you. Like, even though, you know, my, it's my swimming journey, they're just, you know, they play such a big role in it as well. You know, without them, you know, I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I achieved this year, you know, and, you know, all the parents out there listening would know that, you know, like without our parents, you know, being there for us and supporting us and everything you can't achieve the things you want to achieve so i think for them especially you know obviously you know i got in the car that morning after the heats and i was i was quite emotional i was very upset because you know i just felt completely and utterly destroyed inside that i'd trained so hard for this moment and it just felt like it hadn't come together the way that i pictured it or you know the way that you know i thought it might happen and I think then to go out that night and just to get my spot on that team, I think for them it was just almost like a bit of a like, thank, you know, oh, my God, thank God, you know, like he's he's trained so hard for this. We've been there and we've seen all of his training throughout the year. And, you know, I think for them it was just they were so happy for me to see everything that I've gone through and for my goals to come together. Well, I mean, 100%, and, and you make a good point in terms of the parents and, you know, we always, I, I always say congratulations to the team, right? And, and mm. for me, when I say that, it's always encompassing the parents as well. They're a massive part of the team and their support Absolutely. systems and, and how they go about supporting you. But I, I guess a little bit different for you in the fact that mum's had, you know, experience and no disrespect to some of the other parents, but quite often when parents give me some coaching advice, I always think, well, hang on. Yeah. You're not really a swimmer and you're not really a coach either. But from mum's perspective, she's been there and she's done that and she's seen the highs and she's she's been through exactly. the lows and the hard work as well. What advice slash lessons, I guess, has she given you over the years? I mean, obviously still trying to tread the water between being mum but also, you know, giving some uh, friendly swimming, you know, elite swimming yeah. advice as well. What, yeah. what have you taken away that you kind of – keep with you with your week-to-week -week training or competitions and stuff yeah well i mean it's funny you say that because like i mean there, there definitely has been times where mom's giving me a little bit of advice and you know as i'm sure a lot of kids out there you know you sort of roll your eyes and just go oh yeah mom, whatever you know like yeah. you know just let me do my own thing but you know i think the best advice that she sort of gives me is just and you know she like exactly like you said she's she's gone through exactly what you know, every elite athlete's gone through that. The highest highs, the lowest lows, amazing swims, disappointing swims, you know, all the things that you could imagine that she's gone through. And, you know, some of the best advice she's probably given me is just, you know, to not put expectation on myself because no one around me, you know, no matter if I'm the best in the world or I'm slowest in the world, no one, no one expects me to do anything, you know, even if I was the best in the world. My parents, Dean, they would never expect me and, you know, my friends, my family, they would never expect me to, you know, be the best every single day of the year. You know, they would never expect that. And I think that's sort of what I've always taken away from mum and what she's always sort of 
taught me is just like just go into meets and enjoy it because you know these things only come around you know you know food, you know trials only come around once a year and you know just enjoy the journey and enjoy being in these meets and just you know don't put all that pressure and expectation on yourself because at the end of the day if it doesn't come together you're only a human life goes on it's not you know it's not the end of the world you know even though you've trained so hard and it's so upsetting you know the sun comes up the next day it all goes ahead and everything's fine Mate, you're absolutely right. And yeah. I love that you, you started that chat with like, oh, you know, sometimes mum says this <laughs> and I think, oh, well, but yeah. you know, you, you, you kind of can't sometimes think like that because as I said, oh. your mum's your Hayley Lewis, so of she's course, been there yeah, and done that. Know. Your instinct is like, oh, mum, and then you're like, well, hang on a second, she has yeah, been there exactly. and she has done it. So she probably, there's probably some merit into what she's saying. Yes. <laughs> um, now, switching gears, you make your first team, uh, you're on the road to Fukuoka. What's that next training block look like for you? Are you excited? Were you nervous? I mean, you know, it's a different sort of mindset, right? It, as you said, you're sort of going and just trying to make a sixth to, to, to try and make a relay spot. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden you, you win the, the, mm. the 200 and you're in there. So now you're on the road. Did, did you have people around you sort of keeping you focused, grounded uh, at the task at hand? Not that you sort of got too big for your boots, but it can be – I, I'm assuming quite easily, um, you know, happen in, in terms of just sort of getting excited about it and sort of forgetting, well, hang on, now I've got a job to do here because it's your first time. How much did yeah. Dean help with that process as well around sort of training for your first world champs? Mm. Yeah, well, certainly Dean helped a lot. I think it's exactly like you said, you know, it was just a completely different training um, leading up to trials than it was after, you know. You sort of got leading into trial, And, you know, I, when I say this, you know, I feel like for me, trials was a lot more nerve-wracking than Worlds. Um, and I know that might sound a little bit crazy, but, you know, the training leading into trials is very, it's very different because you're just, you know, you're just trying to get on that team and that's all you can think about. Whereas once you make the team, it's almost like all that, um, you know, worry or, you know, nervousness just comes off you and you can just be a lot more free in the water because you sort of know you're on that team now and like you're going away and you're going to be learning and experiencing all these things and racing at the highest level. So I think in terms of what the training looked like, you know, obviously leading into trials, it was, I think for me, that's probably why I suffered a little bit at trials was because I, I feel like I had a, you know, I was putting a lot more pressure on myself than what I needed to. Mm. And then the training after, like once I got back and we got back into the swing of things, it just, you know, it was just, I was in a completely different mindset. I was so much more relaxed showing up to training. Uh, and even Dean had sort of said to me multiple times, he said, you know, like I can tell there's a big difference um, between you um, before trials to now after, you yeah. know, you, just, you seem a lot more calm and free and loose in the water, which is, you know, that's when I can swim like that, that's when I can swim at my best, you know? And I think that's the same for everyone, you know, no one can swim at their best when they're tense and tightening up, you know, you just got to be, free and loose and i think that was that was what was so good about the training after trials was just the fact that you know i'd gotten onto the team and i'd done a pb at trials so now going into worlds obviously i still had you know goals of wanting to do personal best times but you know obviously now you know i'm in relays so it's you know less about doing personal best times and more you know getting up with the boys and you know putting a time out there that's going to get us into a final or put us in a real, put other people in a really good spot. So I think that go, having that sort of 
um, mindset going to Fukuoka definitely put me in a much better position. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes that, uh, yeah, for the average punter out there, you know, I don't think they understand sort of the shift and difference in training Mm. for championships versus training to make it. And as you said, mentally, it's it's definitely a different mindset. Um, The Fukuoka experience, what, what was that like for you? outside of the racing so we'll get to the races in a minute in terms of your relays and your individual performances but outside of that um what was that like with meeting other athletes um with you know rubbing shoulders with people that you know you're Mm. probably um big fans of at times and like oh god damn there's you know yeah whoever it might have been what what was the experience like for you outside of your racing yeah it was certainly you know quite quite strange because obviously like you you know these big names, you know, your Tom Dean, your Matt Richards, your David Popovich, you know, all these guys. And, like, you, all you ever do is you see them on TV. You only ever see them there. And then, you know, we were actually staying with Great Britain. So, you know, you were seeing all these, you know, Tom Dean, um, Duncan Scott, Matt Richards, you know, even the, we were staying with the French as well, Florian Manadou. Mm. And you see all these guys on TV. And then when you see them in real life, you're almost just a little bit, like, starstruck to be honest like i know i know that sounds a little bit weird but you know like obviously being a rookie on the team yeah. you know never seeing these guys before um and seeing them for the first time and like you know i think i remember for tom dean especially um you know obviously the cameras don't really capture how tall he is and then when i saw him in real life i was like oh jeez um, <laughs> i could be racing this guy um yeah. But yeah, it was certainly just, you know, awesome to see. And especially when you just, you watch from a distance, you watch, you know, you see what they're doing before, what they do before a race, what exercises they may be doing to get themselves warmed up. Are they doing, you know, breathing exercises? Are they doing, you know, certain things to get their body warmed up? Like all these things that you can watch these, you know, world-class athletes do and potentially take away and incorporate into your own program that Mm. could potentially, you know, improve your own um swimming yeah oh mate it doesn't sound silly at all uh if i was standing around and manadu walked past me <laughs> i'd probably stop and think god dang that's a big man because yeah he, he is a huge guy he's um, an impressive specimen let's just yeah let's just and not only that. tall he's huge as well he's built <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no he's, he's an impressive specimen um who was your roommate uh brendan well i was rooming with elijah in the um training leading up and then i was rooming with brendan smith in the um the actual competition so how does that go so a lot of the younger listeners out there um, probably don't you know think about it that much but when you're sort of rooming with someone and you've got your own little idiosyncrasies and things that you like to do and then you've got other people who like to do other things i always think Mm -hmm. i'd be a nightmare to room with because i like the tv to stay on and air conditioning (laughs) and all sorts of things that other people would probably just put them off um, what what was it like for you rooming with the boys? Did you know were there little things that 
you had to get over, I guess, or understand or realize, okay, someone's getting up a bit earlier or someone's doing mm. things or, or was it pretty cruisy and, you know, you guys had very similar sort of mannerisms? Yeah, well, I mean, especially for Elijah, like obviously we trained together, so we were already quite close as mates. So we already knew each other really well and we'd, we had previously roomed together um, on an event camp. So we already knew going in like exactly what worked for each other, what didn't, you know, how to make each other laugh, you know, like if we had, you know, a bad session, you know, what can we do to bring each other up? So I think that was really good. You know, I won't lie, I was pretty nervous going in, um, especially, you know, when you're a rookie on the team, you know, you no one really knows you and you don't really know um, them. So especially when you go and start rooming with someone that you've never really had a conversation with before, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking because you don't know, you know, you don't know what they're like, you know, what annoys them, what doesn't, you know, what are you guys going to be talking a lot? Are you not? But I think, you know, I was lucky enough to room with Brendan, like I said, and he, he was an absolutely fantastic roommate, you know, just super cruisy, super chill, like just a super easy guy to room with, you know, always making you laugh, you know, always having a good time with him. And, you know, I, I feel like even if you maybe don't have one of those experiences where you maybe room with someone that it's maybe a little bit harder to room with, I think it's just important that, you know, maybe you just have a chat with them and you say, look, you know, these are the things that works for me. This is what I like. Um, what, you know, do you like those sort of things or what, you know, what can I do to sort of help you? Or do you, you know, do you like your, having your own space or would you prefer talking more, you know, just having those little conversations, you know, even though they can maybe be a little bit awkward at start, it can, you know, potentially make your experience yeah. just that much easier. Cause you know, there's, there's nothing worse than, you know, you know, rooming with someone and you, you know, you're both unsure of what you can and can't do what, you know, you don't want to upset the other person. And like, you know, you're almost always walking on eggshells because you yeah. don't know what, what to do. So I just, you know, I think for those, you know, younger people out there listening, you know, just if you're rooming with someone, you know, and you, they're not one of your friends or, you know, you haven't really spoken to them, just, you know, have a chat, you know, tell them what works for you and what doesn't and what you like. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're both very going to be very respectful of what, you know, you're there to do a job, you know, they're not going to turn around and say, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, yeah. you're both very respectful of each other and you're both there to do a job. And I think, you know, that's just something that, you know, Brendan and I figured out very quickly is that, you know, because he was so easy to room with, I found, you know, very quickly what, you know, when he was getting up, what worked for him, when he was coming back, what times he was eating dinner. So we, we were just working around each other so good the whole time. And I think that's what, you know, made my first sort of experience rooming with, you know, him awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, as soon as you said Brendan Smith, I've had him on a few times and yeah. he's, he's a very cruisy guy. So I, yeah, I couldn't is. imagine, I couldn't imagine <laughs> he'd be too yeah. highly strung or, you know, worried about too much. He's a pretty chill type of guy. Um, night one, uh, obviously in Fukuoka and four gold, uh, you are part of one of those with a four by one freestyle relay. Firstly, the first part of this question is how G'd up were you after watching Shorty, Arnie, and then the girls smash the world record? Did that help sort of, uh, you know, bring the energy levels up? Oh, absolutely. Like, even like I said before, as much as swimming is an individual sport, there is just this team culture around, you know, Australia. And I think, you know, especially for me and Flynn, we were sitting in the um, – you know, where we do our exercises and we're getting ready. And for both of us, this is our first world championships. And to just sit there and watch Shorty get the gold medal and Ariane break a world record, you know, it just, you know, especially for us younger guys who haven't had these experiences before, 
you know, it just, it gets the adrenaline pumping and, you know, it makes you think to yourself, you know, if these guys are getting up and they're doing this, you know, so can we. Yeah, no, well, I've had a couple of people on and, and they sort of say it that way too. It's not as if it was expected. It's not like you guys were expected. It was almost like you you wanted to, like, oh, I want to be a part of this. I, I want to jump yeah. on board this this train um, before it takes off. You know, give us your thoughts on on the relay. Obviously, a, a phenomenal experience by um, performance, sorry, by all four boys. Um it must have been almost like um, sort of a fantasy world for you mm. because, as you said, you know, you're going in, oh, I just want to be number six, and then you yeah. have the heat swim, and then all of a sudden on mm. night one you're in this phenomenal night of, of four gold medals and you're in yeah. this sort of performance of your own with the boys. must have been a bit surreal. Oh, yeah, so surreal. Like, you know, even just in the heat, you know, walking out and just seeing the crowd, it was just – it was so weird because you only – I've only ever seen it from a camera back home, you know, watching it. So to be walking out and seeing the crowd and seeing all the teams next to you, it was just, you know, it was super, super exciting and, you know, just an amazing experience. And then to get into that final, like obviously there were five of us, they rested Kyle in the morning. So, you know, you had to be, you know, the top three fastest in the heats to go through in the final. And, you know, like I said, it was just a completely different mindset for me going in. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about, I have to have to be in this final. I have, you know, I have to, it was just more of a, I'm here, I'm going to soak it all in. I'm going to, I'm going to learn and I'm going to take this experience in. If I, if it doesn't work for me in the heat, you know, what can I learn from it? You know, this is my first world championships. You know, I don't have any expectation on myself, but I think having that sort of mindset was really, really good for me because it just meant that I just dove in the water and I just, you know, like I said, I didn't didn't put any expectation on myself. I just stuck to my race plan, did exactly what I needed to do and, you know, got the boys in a really good position. You know, Jack and Flynn put me in a really good position and then, I, you know, I put Matt in a really good position and, yeah, it was just, you know, an awesome race. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it was phenomenal. And um, as I said, it, it couldn't have got off to a better start. For yourself, uh, your individual 200 freestyle, you finished 20th. It was 0.5 off your best that you said at yeah. trials, if I'm not mistaken. Talk to me about that race. I, I, I more often than not in these positions like to sit back and let you sort of tell your story of the race and how you felt and what you liked about it, what you learned from it. Talk to me about your 200 free. Yeah, well, I mean, it was definitely uh, really, you know, it was a new experience and a new challenge for me. Um, I think what a lot of people don't remember is that, you know, especially for us, um, getting that medal that previous night is the fact that by the time you do the medal presentation and you walk around, you know, do the walk around the pool and you do all the media stuff, you know, and you do your warm down, you know, I wasn't getting on the bus to go back to the apartment until about 1130 and, um, you know, got back at 12, you know, midnight to have dinner. By the time you eat, get back to your, you know, your room, unpack, repack for the next morning. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at going to bed at around one o'clock and, you know, especially for me, being at my first world championships and winning a gold medal, you can imagine the adrenaline running through my body. Yeah, you're buzzing. Even at one, even at one o'clock in the morning, you know, it was still, you know, I, I still couldn't believe it. You know, I, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what was going on. Like, I was just so shocked that, you know, I'd gone from, you know, almost not even being on the team in trials to now having a gold medal on the first night. It was just something that I wasn't even really expecting. And, 
you know, by the time you get to sleep, by the time I got to sleep, I was tossing and turning. So it probably wasn't even probably about, you know, 1.30, 1.45 before I, you know, fell asleep. And, you know, I had the 200 that day, you know, I had to get up, you know, seven hours later to get on the bus to head back out to the pool. So um, I think that in itself was a big challenge for me because I've never, ever experienced something like that. It's always just been, you know, you race, you go home, you know, you might get home at like, you know, nine o'clock, you know, whereas our hundred free race was at 10 o'clock at night. So by yeah. the time, we got, you know, so, and, you know, that 200 free, like you said, it was a little bit off my best and I was probably more disappointed about it than I should have been, you know, looking back at it now, you know, it was going to be very, very tough for me to make that semifinal. Um, I think I was, I ended up only being about 0.2 off making that semi. Um, but it was always going to be really challenging for me to step up and do that heat swim just because of my lack of experience. Mm. Um, you know, like you see all these, you know, guys that have been doing this for years and they they have that experience and they know what it's like to come off a big night the night before and have to step up the next morning. And, you know, not that I wasn't expecting, you know, I knew that I would was going to have to step up the next morning and put in a good swim, but you know, like I said, it's just one of those things, you know, I'd never experienced it before. So I, you know, wasn't really sure going into it, you know, when I dove in the water, how I was going to feel, was I going to feel amazing? Was I going to feel like frap, you know, what was going on? But I think that's probably the biggest thing I took away from that swim was just the fact that I, you know, I need to learn and I need to, I needed to have that experience because, you know, I have no doubt there's going to be times in the future where something like that might happen again. You know, I'm going to have a, you know, you're going to have a big night, you know, you're going to late night and then you're going to have to get to sleep and perform the next morning. So even though it was a bit of a disappointing swim, and when I say disappointing, it, you know, it was only just off my best and um, still 20th, um, I think looking back at it now, there's just so much that I took away from it in terms of, you know, learning and experience from it that I think will be, really important for me going into my future competitions. Yeah, well, it's a great outlook, mate, and a great way of thinking. I mean, I just had a quick look back then, and, yeah, it was 0.2 off making. I think 16th was, yeah, um, you know, uh, 7.0. So, you know, was, you're very close. Things yeah, could go a lot differently, couldn't they? You could be, you know, just under, and all of a sudden you get a bit more rest and recovery mm. and yeah. come back. So, you know, it's a good outlook to have. Uh, for sure, and and I, I think the most pleasing thing from your perspective there is that you came away with lessons learned and things that you can go back and yeah, look exactly. at for next time. And um, that's all we can ever do uh, is is have a look at things and and try and improve on those things next time. Which easier said than done at times, but it <laughs> certainly sounds like you got your head screwed on nicely there. Now, before we sort of um, get more to the back end of this, mate, what about the four by two? freestyle you got a bronze with the boys mm. um that's a phenomenal field in itself in terms of the the boys around you um we know that great britain um you know they weren't in the four by one final um but they're definitely here now in the mm. four by two so you, you've got you know these guys that you're idolizing around you and they're a formidable team and then you've got the team usa and you, you know, everyone around you what's what's that was it different because now you know you've had the success you're a bit more to, you know, the week sort of caught up to at this point as well. It's not mm. fresh and not that it's not exciting, but you know what I mean? The adrenaline yeah. is probably, you know, a little bit different. What was this um, experience like and 
what lessons did you take away from the four by two? Because you swam pretty quick yourself. Mm, yeah, well, definitely, like you said, just, you know, so many lessons to take away from it. And I think especially for Great Britain, you know, they had a bit of bit of a bigger fire, uh, you know, going, especially after being DQ'd. I think they wanted a bit of revenge um, in that four by two. You know, they're always going to be a formidable team, but I think, you know, they were just, they, you know, had something in them that night that was just, they want, they wanted revenge. But, you know, I think that was something, you know, I could see that in them, but, you know, us boys in that four by two, you know, we, we knew that they were going to be hard to beat and we knew that, you know, it was going to be really tough to um, get a medal, but, you know, even just seeing, you know, the energy that the boys were bringing, you know, in that marshalling room and before, you know, you could tell that we just had that, belief and that trust in each other which is what i think is so important especially in a relay is like if you've got that belief and that trust in each other it's you just become unstoppable you know it doesn't really you know it just pushes you to a whole new level you know especially you know like i said in that in the room out near the call room out the back you know while you're waiting to walk out you can just see the look on each other's faces you know yeah there's a little bit of nerves but you can just see rule g'd up hyped up ready to just get in there and just like just you know have fun, but also just, you know, go for it. You know, like mm. we all just wanted to bring it and we knew that if we gave it out everything and we believed and trusted in each other, then we could get on that podium. Yeah. 145 for yourself in that relay? Yeah, 145.7, which was a new PB for me, first time um, getting under the 146, which was uh, it was a very good way to sort of end my, because that was obviously the last 200 free for me of the season. And I think that was almost the perfect way for me to end. Um, because obviously my goal, I had, like I said at the start, I had a goal this year, I had a time and the time that I wanted to do was, you know, in that 145s and, you know, I'd sort of been chipping away, you know, throughout the year and I'd sort of gotten pretty close to it and, you know, had the individual 200 at Fukuoka and missed, you know, missed it by a little bit. So to have that second opportunity and go first and to turn around and see that 145.7, you know, it, you know, re I really didn't even think about it much to, until after because, you know, like I said, the time is important in because you want to put the boys in a good position. But because you're just in that relay, you know, you're not even really thinking about times. You just you're yeah. there with the boys. You're just enjoying it. You know, you're getting around each other. You're screaming. You're yelling. So it probably wasn't until a few hours later that really sunk in that I'd gone under 146 for the first time, which is you know a you know huge milestone for me. You know, having that goal throughout the whole year and just you know seeing it and putting it up around the house and seeing it in my mind and using it as, you know, fuel in training and then to just finally finish off, you know, my 200 free for that season and to finish on that time, it was pretty special. Yeah, well, you know, as a, a swimming fan, but obviously running the podcast, I want to give you your flowers for that and that <laughs> moment because yeah. uh, I think it's important to because for the listeners out there, you know, what Kai was able to do in that moment, and no doubt, I think you're playing it off a little bit in terms of the disappointment after your 200. You would have been a little bit disappointed and down, yeah. and to still sort of, you know, shrug that off and come back and not let that sort of dictate, you know, what the rest of the week was going to look like. Like, sorry, is easier said than done. Um, and at such a sort of a younger age and inexperienced, it's your first time at this sort of exactly. <laughs> big international meet. So, exactly. mate, I, I think um, you should be really proud of yourself for, for that moment and not only yeah. doing it for yourself, doing it for the team, uh, yeah. which I think, you know, you'll, you'll learn from that as well. So it's phenomenal. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you your, uh, your kudos for that. Now, oh, talk to much. me about your coach, Dean Boxall, one of the best in the world, no doubt. 
Um, that's not even debatable anymore. <laughs> um, how, how has he helped you take your swimming to the next level? Oh, look, Dean is amazing. You know, like I know from outside people, you know, sort of see him and they see him as this, you know, crazy, just out there guy. But he, he's just, I think one of the best things about Dean is he's he's very good at being able to have an athlete and figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them, what he needs to do for them to get them into the best spot. And, you know, the relationship Dean and I have has just grown so much over these last four years that I've been at St. Peter's. You know, I remember, you know, the first year that I was there, I was so intimidated by this guy walking around the pool, just screaming and yelling all the time. And, but, you know, as the years went by, you know, you, you realize that if you are there to, you know, train hard and do the best that you can. He's going to give you all the attention and everything you deserve. And, you know, even outside of the pool, you know, he's so good at just, you know, he can tell when something's up, you know, when something's, when something's wrong, he can tell when, you know, you're just in the zone, you know, he's always sitting down with you asking, asking questions unrelated to swimming, how's family, how's uni, you know, all those things that, you know, make you realize that, He's not just this robot coach that just screams, and but he's actually, he cares about you and he wants the best for you. And he's not just there as a person who cares about you swimming. He cares about things going on outside your life, you know, problems that you want to talk about, you know, even stuff like, you know, you might not feel like talking about stuff to your parents. You know, he's always, he's always said to me, you know, you can always talk to me about stuff if you don't want to talk to other people about it. You know, I'm not just your coach. I'm here to, support you through anything that you need and I think for me that's been a huge huge you know positive because you know I don't look at Dean anymore as just this scary sort of you know guy walking around the pool I see him as you know you know someone who really truly cares about me and yeah you know some you know times yeah he's you know might be a little bit pissed pissed at you if you're not you know hitting your times in training or you know whatever but it's only because he cares and that's just his way of, you know, showing his care about you really. So I think, you know, he's just been such a, he's played such a huge part in my swimming career. And I don't think I would be where I am now without him. Um, you know, even just, you know, another coach could recreate and copy exactly the same sessions that he does. But I think it's just him as a person and caring about you and the banter that he gives and, the joke, you know, joking around all the time, it just, it creates such a uh, fun and safe environment that you feel like you can really thrive in. Yeah, well, um, you know, I don't think our listeners um, need to hear from me anymore about what I think of Dean Boxall because I <laughs> sing his praises all the time and phenomenal, phenomenal job. But it's, it's just good to hear from, you know, your perspective as an athlete that's working with him and um, um, helping him, you know, him helping you, sorry, unlock uh, your potential what wouldn't we know about dean is there anything we wouldn't know about him in terms of away from the pool i mean i've had him I've, I've had athletes on about talk about his musical taste and stuff like that before but is there anything we wouldn't know about him is he a funny guy has he got great jokes one-liners what wouldn't oh, we know about he, him he's got some fantastic jokes you know just things like you wouldn't even be able to think of like him coming up with and just you know you know the way he talks and his you know his his attitude and his sort of just the way he acts is it's very like almost sometimes he acts like a little bit of a kid, but it's, you know, it's really entertaining and it's really funny. And I think maybe that's potentially what people don't 
don't know, you know, they probably see, you know, how he how he reacts, you know, when Arnie Arnie won at the Olympics and Fukuoka and, you know, that, you know, there's videos of Dean, you know, really yelling. And, you know, I think that's what people sort of, they see him as this really tough guy, which he is, don't get me wrong. He he is a tough guy and he will, he will yell at you and he will, he will tell you when you're not, when you're not on, but there's also just this comedic and really lighthearted side to him that people don't really know a lot about. Um, which is, again, I think that's another, you know, really big reason for why I've, you know, been able to make shifts is because, you know, I'm not showing up to training every day thinking to myself, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's another day of training. You know, I'm excited to get to training because the environment that he creates through, you know, the swimmers that he's got in the squad and the support staff that he's got around us, you know, really just make that team, you know, go to the next level, I guess. Yeah, well, you sort of touched on it. It's the light and shade of coaching, I guess, and he's doing it at, a, at another level and um, and amazing performances in, in terms of, as you said, you know, bringing the intensity when it's needed but also being able to back off and be lighthearted and, and help you guys lift your spirits if maybe you're coming in a bit flat some days or a bit off. And uh, he, as I said, he's doing it on a, on a completely other level. So um, kudos to, to him and the entire St Peter's coaching team. Uh, what's the next sort of 11 months look like for you, mate, the road to Paris? And I, I sort of only ask that because it, it's kind of a bit varied at the moment. There's a World Champs early next year. There's different World Cup meets and there's all sorts of different things. So I can only imagine for each athlete on the Australian team and those who are looking to go to the Olympics next year, the road's going to look very different, um, mm. you know, without giving too much away because I know Dean doesn't like us giving too much away on the podcast because he listens. I don't know if you know that. So just watch yourself because he listens yeah, to make sure oh, we, don't, we don't give too much away. Um, um, no, but, yeah, like like you said, it's very different for a lot of athletes. And, you know, I think, like you said, there's a World Championships coming up, there's World Cups coming up. So, you know, we sort of had a discussion on our first session back and he sort of mentioned that, you know, that if he if people are interested and, you know, he, he – thinks that it'll be quite advantageous for some people to go to these things that he will have a chat to to them about it. And, you know, I think, you know, speaking to him, you know, that uh, world championships in Doha is probably going to be, you know, quite advantageous for me just because, you know, if I do make that Olympic team next year, um, I really would have only had one big international meet, um, prior to the Olympics, if I made it. So getting that, you know, not just international experience, but the highest level of international experience. And while Doha may not have, you know, because obviously, um, like you said, maybe not every country will be sending their best swimmers there, but that um, energy and that atmosphere of a world championships is, you know, it just can't be replicated anywhere else. So I think, you know, potentially, you know, me going to that, you know, like, like you said, there's nothing, you know, nothing's come out yet. Nothing's set in stone, but definitely for me, I think that I would want to put my name forward for that. Cause I think, you know, I've spoken to Dean and I feel like for me, that would be a good experience whether I'm on that team or not. Uh, you know, it's irrelevant because, you know, if I'm there, I'm going to be racing and getting experience. And if I'm back home, I'm going to be training hard and doing, doing whatever we need to do to get to Paris. But yeah, you know, not really much on apart from that, you know, obviously just our normal camps that we do, um, you know, we'll do a few few other meets leading up to trials, you know, like uh, um, Australian championships and maybe a few little other meets. And then 
yeah, just trials for Paris, really. Well, it's exciting, mate. It's an exciting time over the next 11 months because we've obviously seen the success at the World Champs. We've seen uh, the rise and the emergence of young uh, superstar Australians like yourself coming onto the team, but there's also uh, those already established stars there. You're all colliding with the world's best and as I said, we saw it at the World Champs, and it's sort of mouthwatering, to be honest. Um, it just shows my f- swimming fandom, but I get really excited when I think of, you know, 2024 in Paris because I think uh, yeah. the racing is just going to be out of this world. Uh, and I know you'll be doing your best, mate, and everything you can to make sure you're on that team. Now, I like to finish our chats with some less serious questions. So rapid fire, you just hit me with whatever sort of comes back to your mind first. So what's your favourite music to listen to? Favorite music? Uh, that's a little bit of a hard one. I I think for me is probably oh, I just I can't get over rock music. Like I know Dean loves that, but there's just something about it. I think it was you know Dad sort of you know grew up you know had it on all the time in the car, and it's just, there's just something about you know that ACDC sort of stuff that I just really jeez me up. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. What about favorite movies? Do you have any favorite movies to watch? Ah, uh, favorite movies. That's a hard one because I feel like it's changing all the time. But um, probably I watched Interstellar again recently, which is a Christopher Nolan movie. Which is great just, movie. It's an absolutely phenomenal movie. So that's probably my favorite movie at the moment. It's a great movie. Did you watch Oppenheimer? No, I haven't watched that yet. I really want to though. I would suggest you watch it. Um, favorite meal. Oh, favorite meal. Um. My grandma makes a really good spaghetti bolognese and every time I go over to her house, I just, that's, you know, I text her before I'm just like, is it spaghetti bolognese and I'm coming over and she goes, yes, yes, it is. So probably that. How big's the bowl? Oh, enormous. <laughs> I could imagine. Mate, swimmers, they love to eat. Um, do you have any favourite TV shows that you like to watch? Um, I'm not really big into TV shows. Mum and I actually... Well, we watch, we're watching The Block at the moment, which we absolutely love. It's just something that it's a little bit of a, you know, you know, some people love it, some people hate it, yeah. but I don't know. It's just one of those things we love sitting down at nighttime and every time, every year when it's, you know, the lead up to it, we're both getting really excited because we sort of, you know, that's sort of, you know, our time that we get together to spend watching something that we enjoy. Um, so, yeah, probably that. All right. Well, I can see it now. Channel 9, if you're listening, Hayley Lewis <laughs> and her son can be on the next, the next season. Block. Of the block. Uh, do you have TikTok? Do you have favourite TikToks that you just find yourself sort of watching I mean, more I, than others? I did have TikTok, but recently I've actually deleted it because I just, I know, it was a big, big, big uh, life decision for me. Yeah, um, and I'm sure, you know, I'll cave in soon and maybe <laughs> download it. But, uh, yeah, for me at the moment, just oh, I just felt like I was always on it and I just, like, I needed to get away from it. But I'm always actually on Instagram Reels. I love Instagram Reels. Yeah, which is essentially very yeah, much TikTok. the same thing. My wife picks me up on that a lot because I don't even have TikTok and, you know, she'll sit there for hours on TikTok and I say, do you know what? what is wrong with you? You know, you can yeah. live life. And she goes, you realise you're watching Instagram Reels and it's which pretty much the same thing. thing. You <laughs> fall and I think, okay, yeah. well, she wins this round, uh, as she normally does. Um, <laughs> what about the last one, your favourite quote? Do you have any favourite quotes that you sort of keep? Um. I think I really like the um, quote, you know, hard work, you know, beats talent. You know, I don't know if that's, you know, the full quote, but, you know, a shortened version of it. I really like that quote because it's, you know, it's true. You know, you can be the most talented athlete in the world, but, you know, hard work will always beat talent. You know, 10 out of 10 times hard work will always beat beat talent. You know, 
those people that are just driven and motivated and are willing to put in all the hours, it doesn't matter, you know, how talented you are, you're going to get beaten by those people that are willing to put in the extra mile. Yeah. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So there, there you, you go. go. Write that down, people. Write that down. Um, mate, the, my last question, when we redo this interview in two to three years' time, four years, five years, I don't know, maybe you might say, I don't want to go back on. But <laughs> if I get you back on, what accomplishment would you like me to be saying at the intro? So already that was a pretty good intro for you, right, in terms of uh, medals at the World Champs and, and you know being a part of the Australian team. What what would you like me to be introducing you as and putting in that intro when I have you on in, as I said, two, three, four years' time? Look, I think the first thing that comes to mind for probably everyone is Olympic champion, to be honest. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, every person that wants to go to the Olympics, that's what they dream about. It's just Olympic champion. And, you know, I I don't know if, you know, I'm going to get there. I, I believe I can, you know, I, I believe and I have that trust in myself that if I keep training as hard as I am, that, you know, I can achieve what I want to achieve. So, yeah, I think, you know, having that title of Olympic champion would be pretty sweet. I love that you said that because that question always throws people a lot because you can see in their mind sometimes like, do I say it? Do I say it? Yeah. Because people sometimes don't want to put it out there. But um, yeah. I, I love it when people sort of throw it out there because it means that, you know, you've got those sights set on these goals and you're working hard towards them and everyone's got them. So I like when people sort of chuck it out there as you did. So congratulations, mate. We'll wrap it up there. We've killed it. We've absolutely killed it. It's a PB. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on for a chat. Um, I know, you know, you're busy getting back into training, so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, massive congrats, as I said, on the success and being a part of the Australian Dolphins team and, and that experience over in Fukuoka. And, mate, I can't wait to see what the next 11 months and then two, three, four years' time has in store for you. Uh, you're in great hands with Dean and St. Peter's there, so I know you're certainly in the right environment for success and, Based off this conversation, mate, I have no doubt that you're on that track. So congratulations. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll chat again next time. But until then, thanks for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. No, thank you very much for having me. It's been an awesome chat. And, yeah, no, just thank you for having me. Uh, cheers, mate. My pleasure. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.